Yes, indeed. And then there were four advancing to the Elite Eight and about to be four more on a Sunday. Welcome into the nation's college basketball show and podcast. It is college basketball coast to coast. I am the somewhat capable host of the program, TJ Reeves. I've enlisted some guests to help me out. I'll introduce them momentarily. We now know two of the Elite Eight matchups after Oregon State and Houston, along with Baylor and Arkansas, advance on Saturday of the 2021 NCAA tournament. They will play each other on Monday night for spots in the Final Four. Four more spots are up for grabs on this Sunday And so we're excited to not only recap Saturday, but take a look at what's going to go on on Sunday as well with four more games. Reminder, however you found this show, social media link, et cetera, it is streaming top and the bottom of the hour on TuneIn on the Tag Sports Group channel. It's free on the TuneIn free app, Tag Sports Group, T-A-G. Under that uh, sports category, go find that channel. Top and bottom of the hour, the show starts over. And also subscribe to the podcast. You get it automatically through a notification on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, et cetera. College basketball coast to coast is the show. New daily show every day, all the way through the rest of the NCAA tournament, all the way through the final four from college basketball coast to coast. Let's get to it. And I've enlisted help. These guys are gracious to be with me after the Saturday games have concluded. Full disclosure, we're coming your way in the middle of the night, Eastern time, Saturday night into Sunday morning for us. Uh, for two of us anyway. Uh, Deshaun Tate is in Atlanta with 92.9 The Game, the FM Sports Radio Station, and Tate's Take the Podcast. Mr. Uh, 94 feet of basketball going up and down the floor on Tate's Take. So Deshaun is with me. We're in the Eastern Time Zone. Matthew Zimick of the USC Trojans Wire website from USA Today Sports is in Arizona, three hours behind us. So he's just having an early evening uh, snack or something like that, a late evening snack, et cetera, after watching all these games. But anyway, boys, thank you both for being here. Uh, Deshaun, good to have you. Uh, Matt, good to have you. Let's begin with Deshaun. We got four games in the books. Again, we're Oregon State, Baylor, Arkansas, and Houston. The old Southwest Conference has reared its ugly head with Baylor, Arkansas, and Houston winning on Saturday. That's a little before Deshaun's time, probably. But anyway, welcome in, and uh, give me some initial thoughts here on, on what we've seen to this point in the Sweet 16. Yeah, I mean, you know, when I'm looking at this, TJ, just seeing how uh, we've seen Baylor take care of business against Villanova. Villanova gave more than a puncher's chance against uh, Baylor in that particular game and really had them on the ropes, gave Baylor a little bit of a scare, something I think is definitely necessary and needed when you know that you're going to be going down the stretch to hopefully uh, meet up with Gonzaga in a game that got postponed earlier in the year. Uh, and then as far as, you know, Arkansas, that one, I mean, that, I think that game with Oral Roberts was the game of, of, of the NCAA tournament, personally, from start to finish. Uh, and you got to get the whole tournament to this point, the you declare t- it the whole tournament of the whole tournament. I thought it was just the best game in general, not just because it was close and so forth, uh, but just the quality in the, of the brand of basketball that was played. And it didn't appear too sloppy to me either. Uh, now, outside of that, as far as Oregon State, how about that job? I'm not sure that anybody picked uh, Oregon State to not only just get this far, but to even beat Loyola. It was almost like Loyola. The kind of feel, energy, and vibe that it had was almost as if Loyola 
uh, was kind of like a, a a powerhouse program. That's how disrespected Oregon State was going into this matchup. And then Houston and Syracuse. Syracuse obviously being as hot as they were. Houston, I, I think that they've probably been the most disrespected program that has consistently been in the top 10 ranked all season long throughout uh, the NCAA year. And, and, and I'm it's nice to see them go ahead and get a victory because I know that they've been wanting some of that respect and it was well-deserved with a win against a hot Syracuse team. And I'm a little punchy in the middle of the night. I'm going to get real technical here. Houston, you know what they did? They guarded the crap out of them. That's that's the difference. That's how they won that game. They made some shots, yes, but good Lord, did they guard Syracuse on that one. We have waited far too long to hear from Matt Zimmick. USA Today, Trojans Wire website. Um, again, USC will play Oregon final game on this Sunday night. Same question to you, my friend. The floor is yours. Uh, you were spewing out the nuggets every which direction on, on some of these games and the historical perspective. Give me some initial thoughts here on the four Sweet 16 games of Saturday, if you would, Matt Zimmick. Well, I, fa- I find the Midwest region to be particularly interesting in that both of the Midwest semifinals we saw, DJ and Deshaun, they were instances of one team having an identity and having that identity thrown back in its face. So Loyola, it's the team that grinds you down, the team that plays the great positional defense, the team that's extremely disciplined, the team that makes the opponent get rattled. Oregon State threw that back in its face. I mean, Oregon State scored just three points in the first nine minutes, threw it right back in Loyola's face and just kept grinding, grinding, grinding. And then Houston-Syracuse. Syracuse is the team that usually drives the opposing offense crazy. So, And Houston was not, you know, lights out. Houston did some occasionally good things on offense, found some back cuts for some layups and dunks, but Houston was sitting on 51 points with four minutes left. That's not exactly lighting up the night sky, but Houston defended the hell out of Syracuse and drove Syracuse crazy. So these Midwest games, teams had an identity, but their opponent just outdid them at their own identity. I found that very fascinating. Yeah, and and again, give credit to Baylor, who was behind for a lot of that first half tested as Deshaun was referencing and Matt was referencing. And then again, that Arkansas Oral Roberts game uh, again, we very nearly had a, a 15 seed make history and get in the elite eight. Only one other team had gotten this far, Andy Enfield's Florida Gulf coast. And they battled with the Florida Gators in that uh, sweet 16 game uh, back. What eight years ago now, right? 2013, whatever that was. Um, and, but Oral Roberts had the lead, uh, again, looked like they were going to have the opportunity to put it away. And Arkansas, once again, just able to rally. What, that's the third time in a row now in this tournament that Arkansas has been down at least nine points. Uh, and a couple of times it was 14 to Colgate, right? It was 10 to Texas Tech. Um, and yet they found a way in, in the final moments uh, of that game. Great back and forth game uh, with Arkansas. Uh, winning that one. So again, you're hearing from Deshaun Tate and Matt Zimmick uh, with me. I want to go back to Oregon State. I I realize that at the time that we're talking, that seems like it was three days ago, but it was the first game of the day. And I really believe it was kind of reminiscent of, uh, for example, what UConn did in the national championship game to Butler, who was rolling along. And UConn had great length on defense, height, disrupting shots, blocking shots. I really think with with the exception of like Crutwig, they couldn't get a decent shot because Oregon State was guarding them. The length bothered them, distorting shots. I thought that was a real key. Oregon State made shots, yes, but I thought they stymied them with their length and their defense. Deshaun and Matt, both give me a thought on this real quick, please. 
Yeah, I think that in terms of uh, what, in terms of uh, what Loyola needed was was that that guard play. They needed Williamson to be able to step up. Uh, that didn't happen. It kind of reminds me a little bit of what Ohio State had needed uh, in the first round matchup against Oral Roberts with Dwayne Washington Jr. Uh, but it just wasn't nearly enough. I mean, listen, Oregon State just certainly shot the ball from three a, a ton much better uh, than Loyola. Loyola just couldn't get shots to drop. I mean, you start looking at halftime 24-16 with uh, Loyola shooting 17% from the field and 11%. That's not 70%. That's 17% from the mm. field and 11% from three. And the thing that I think topped it all off and just kept it off kind of like the icing on the cake was just the bench points. I mean, just how much better off the pie and the contribution and the production that the Beavers were able to get from theirs versus the lack thereof for uh, for Loyola Chicago. And personally, I think that was the, the tale of the tape. Voice of Deshaun Tate. He is at Tate's Take Hoops on Twitter. Tate's Take is the podcast. Find it wherever you get podcasts. Live show as well uh, when he fires it up on uh, YouTube, Facebook, all the platforms, Periscope with Tate's Take. And he's had a lot of takes. He's had the likes of Dan Bonner and Jay Billis and Lynn Elmore and others on Tate's Take. You never know who's going to pop up with Deshaun at tournament time. I appreciate him. Matt Zimmick, again, uh, at Matt Zimmick, Z-E-M-E-K, on uh, Twitter, a great follow for the NCAA tournament. My, my man is tweeting like women's nuggets, men's nuggets, all at the same time, rapid fire. I don't know how many TVs and how many eyeballs you have to have, but he is all over it. And we will get to his insight on USC and Oregon, which again is the final game coming on Sunday night on the second day of the Sweet 16. Back to Oregon State. You're very familiar covering the Pac-12. Uh, I keep asking you this same question. What has this team found? They have won nine of their last 11 games now, six straight wins, all of them obviously the last three against NCAA tournament teams, but all of the last six wins in a row are against NCAA tournament teams. What have they found, Matt Zimmick, that continues into the Elite Eight for Oregon State? Well, you know, as someone who covers tennis a lot over the years, you know, the, the, the thing about tennis is there are many different ways to win. One is by, you know, hitting the ball past your opponent. But the other way to win in tennis is by making your opponent miss, making your opponent hit the ball too long or into the net or wide because you distort the angles and, and you, you manipulate the action so that the other person is likely to miss. And that is what Oregon State has done. You know, there is an art. There is a skill in getting your opponent to play poorly. So when Tennessee played horribly against Oregon State, a lot of people thought, reasonably enough, oh, that's a Rick Barnes NCAA tournament offense. You know, and it was all about how Tennessee wet the bed. But then Oregon State shuts down Cade Cunningham. And, okay, Oklahoma State played poorly, but, well, this is now two straight times it's happened. Right. And now Porter Moser, you know, going to be the next coach of an elite school if he wants, you know, or, or building a dynasty uh, in Chicago – and Loyola played poorly. So this keeps happening, and it, and it happened in the Pac-12 tournament. You know, Oregon State blew out Oregon, and Dana Altman, an elite coach in the semifinals of that tournament, made Colorado play poorly in the Pac-12 final. So all these teams are playing poorly against Oregon State. When you keep lining them up like that, one after another after another, well, what's the common thread? Oregon State's making them play poorly. So, I mean, it's coming from Oregon State. And one thing we can all recognize in basketball is shot pressure meaning that you, you, you have a, a tough time you know, on many possessions so that on the rare occasions when you do get an open look, you're really nervous. You know, oh, I better make, 
take this open look because if I don't, then you know we're not going to get an open look the next time. That's really the dynamic that Oregon State has been able to apply to each and every one of its opponents in this tournament. They made the key shots that they had to make as well in order to get it done. Again, we're recapping the Saturday Sweet 16 games. We know we've got one seed Gonzaga and Creighton, followed by one seed Michigan and Florida State coming up on this Sunday. And then a fantastic, on paper, Alabama-UCLA game in primetime on Sunday night. Uh, and then that's followed by the late night game, Eastern time, primetime in the West, USC and Oregon. We'll get to those games with the guests here in a moment on college basketball, coast to coast. We're rocking along. And I, I love just setting up my analysts and my guys here, my guests here with different things. Deshaun, let's shift gears and talk the Arkansas win over Oral Roberts. How did they pull that out in the final five, six minutes? It was back and forth, possession by possession. How did the Hogs, who have not been now to the Elite Eight since 1995, when William Jefferson Clinton was in his first term as president? He's the former governor of Arkansas, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he was at the Final Four uh, when he was the president. I know he was at the Final Four in Charlotte. And I think that year they were in the Final Four at the Kingdom in Seattle, and Matt Zimmick was at the game. And I think Bill Clinton was at the game, too. That's the last time Arkansas is in the Elite Eight, Deshaun Tate. How did they pull it out? Yeah, big players make big plays in big games. I feel like I've heard that somewhere before, and they've definitely got that in a guy who's Moody, who is every bit or all of uh, all but a lottery player for June's NBA draft. And obviously, uh, he was good. But here's the thing: I I'm never gonna go against too many teams. You always got to throw a little contribution in there when you have a guy with the last name Tate on the roster. Amen. The outstanding, the outstanding assists at the end of the game. I mean, they just yes. stayed in it. They didn't. Re it didn't appear that they really uh, were really rattled. A lot of these cases. Uh, not saying that a mid-major team uh, is not just playing better, but it's about getting the other team rattled. And that's something that Arkansas was not. Um, and I, in really, addition to I really felt like, if I can interrupt, I really felt like sure. they understood Oral Roberts doesn't have a great low post shot blocker, et cetera. And we can go at that and have success until they demonstrate that they can stop it. And even in the clutch, Tate took it to the hoop and they got a little guard to make a shot and make a play because Oral Roberts didn't have somebody to swat it. I, I think I thought from my standpoint, they had great understanding from Musselman's tactical or the players on the floor until they stop the dribble penetration in the lane and scoring or the drive and dish or the, or the hand it to somebody underneath and score. Keep doing it. Keep going to it. Yeah. That was something that they found a way to expose uh, and even more so, listen, I mean, you keep going to the basket, you're going to force those referees to either blow the whistles, but you don't put yourself in position where you have to settle for too many jump shots from the outside, uh, because that gives the opposition the opportunity to get back down the floor with it in a position in which like this was not like the the uh, 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 Houston and Syracuse, like if Oral Roberts was going to get the ball on the other end, they were going to score. It. And I know that Arkansas knew that they could only control that so much so they had to go and expose exactly what you're talking about tj the lack of uh the lack of girth if you will in the front court for oral roberts and they did that now we sat up here before and talked about where they did that once in the first round they did it again in the second round third round you keep playing with fire after so many times the way my mom was taught 
you're not going to put your hands on that stove. Eventually, you will get burned. And I think that's what's going to happen when they run up on Baylor uh, in, a, in, in about, what, 48 hours from now. Very true that you can't, you cannot, I, I don't care who you are, you cannot continue to be down double figures in the second half or at least significantly in the second half or late in the game and not have it burn you. I agree completely with that. Um, and again, Jalen Tate is a player. I got to work the Horizon League championship a year ago when he was with Northern Kentucky. He was the glue on that team. Again, can handle the ball, 6'6", long arms, can defend. He's an excellent rebounder, does a lot of the little things well, and he's just an excellent other dimension for that Arkansas team to help him out. And Deshaun's nodding along because the last name is Tate, so he gets to live another day. Uh, does Jalen Tate with his Arkansas teammates and Eric Musselman in Arkansas in the Elite Eight against uh, Baylor uh, with that. All right. Um, I think we've done pretty well on covering the Saturday games. Matt Zimmick, did you have one more thought on any of that that we were just talking about with Arkansas Oral Roberts, something else on Houston, on Baylor? Again, it's got a Texas flair. I saw the nugget from our buddy Dave Warlock, the head of communications for the NCAA uh, men's basketball tournament, uh, saying it's the first time in uh, 52 years, two Texas teams made the Elite Eight. It was Houston and TCU, I think, in 1968. Hello. Second time ever two Texas teams are in with Houston and Baylor getting in into the Elite Eight. All right, so there's a little nugget. Matt, anything else to add there off Saturday before we move to Sunday? Yeah, we just have to remind ourselves that, you know, the Colin Gillespie injury to Villanova was decisive. Uh, if he had been playing in that game, it could have been very different. So a, a great effort by Villanova in defeat. We need to uh, mention that. And Jay Wright's a tremendous coach, and they were winning the game, and, and Baylor was playing a little tight. But, again, Baylor showed themselves down the stretch of that game. And just like they won a couple of huge games at the end of the season, including one at West Virginia to help them clinch the regular season Big 12 title, they came through when it was on the line and now move on to the Elite Eight. All right, so four in the books, four more coming up on this Sunday as we're coming your way on college basketball coast-to-coast. Gonzaga Creighton up first just after 2 Eastern time. Florida State and number one seed Michigan will be after that around 5.30 Eastern time. Deshaun is not twitching and ticking because he's a Michigan State guy because I brought up Michigan, at least not yet, but I am going to make him talk about him in a couple of moments. Alabama-UCLA uh, will be in prime time in the Eastern time zone uh, in the evening, and that one's got all kinds of intrigue and angles to it. Uh, and then USC and Oregon back-to-back games in the Sweet 16 involving the Los Angeles market. And the Pac-12 on display. Pac-12 now guaranteed to get a second team in the Elite Eight between Oregon and USC. Can still get three in there if UCLA upsets Alabama. We'll see. Uh, I'll reverse course here. Matt Zimmick, I'll save the Oregon-USC conversation for you for a couple of minutes from now. Of the other three games, what are you watching for coming up on this Sunday here in the Sweet 16 with the two one seeds, uh, Gonzaga, Michigan, and the two-seed Alabama? Well, Michigan-Florida State, to me, is the best game of the day, and I think most people agree. Uh, By the way, great podcast, TJ, with Gene Deckerhoff the other night. Some great storytelling there. But, um, you know, Michigan without Isaiah Livers. You know, Michigan might not be really a one-seed quality team, but uh, Brandon Johns has played well in Livers' absence, so, you know, that's minimized the deficit there. But, you know, Florida State can just throw all these long bodies at Michigan. So, like, Dickinson in the paint, Florida State can neutralize him. And so – I think it really comes down to Michigan's backcourt. Uh, 
executing offense, hitting shots. You know, if, if the Wolverines have a great day there, they can still be fine. But if the Florida State's defensive length can muck this one up, keep this game in the high 50s, low 60s, uh, the Seminoles will have a great chance. And thank you for the kind words, but Mean Gene Deckerhoff is the man. As a legendary 40-plus-year voice of the Florida State Seminoles, he has seen it all, and I enjoyed talking with him, and that podcast is still available on College Basketball Coast to Coast in podcast form. If you're done listening to this one and you still want to preview Florida State and Michigan, listen to Gene talking about it. How about the story that I did not know, the first road game he ever did for Florida State, he's been doing the Knoll games now. What did he say? 46 seasons. The f- 46 years Gene has been doing Florida State. The first ever road game he did was in Indianapolis against Indiana and Bob Knight. And that year, 1976, is the year that Indiana ran the table. It began with them beating Florida State. They ran the table, and they beat Michigan in the title game. And now the tournament is in Indianapolis with a team, Gonzaga, trying to finish undefeated like Indiana, and Michigan is potentially in the way down the road. It's just amazing symmetry with uh, with all of that. Love all the nuggets and the factoids. All right, I digress. Again, I'm punchy. It's the middle of the night while we're taping college basketball coast-to-coast. Deshaun Tate, to you, you have the full buffet of four Sunday games. Give me give me something, a couple of somethings that you're looking forward to out of these. Now, I'm going to piggyback a little bit off of Matt Zemick and talking about that Florida State and Michigan game. Listen, when you start looking at this East region, you've got traditional historic powerhouse football programs between Michigan, uh, Alabama, and Florida State. And, of course, you've got UCLA there being the dominant one typically when it comes to basketball. But, uh, you know, definitely making a good point uh, by Zemick and mentioning uh, uh, Brandon Johns, but I tell you what, I think the other big key piece to that is uh, is um, is Shandy Shandy Brown, uh, who was a transfer from Wake Forest, uh, chipping in 21 points the other night, also assisting in contributing from the loss uh, of of livers. This is a t- the part that scares me probably more than anything outside of the fact that Florida State's been constantly and consistently, persistently knocking on the door of getting to the Final Four and got all that experience and length and athleticism and such is the fact that Michigan doesn't really have a lot of people within that are all that experienced. We talked about Shondi Brown, who is a transfer, inexperienced for uh, winner-go-home scenarios. The point guard, Mike Smith, very similar situation being a transfer from the Ivy League at Columbia. He doesn't have it. Same thing with uh, Hunter Dickinson, who's a freshman. He doesn't have it. Hell, the coach at this point doesn't even have it, that kind of experience. So I think that that's something that doesn't necessarily help. Uh, but I'm definitely looking to forward to uh, UCLA and Alabama as well. Uh, and UCLA is just playing a really good brand of basketball. Everybody was talking about how well Syracuse is playing and how confident they are. UCLA has played an extra game. That does, hasn't seemed to hurt them very much, and I hate it to admit it, to be honest with you. Uh, but even more so the fact that Alabama, as much as I talked to them, TJ, about I talked about the win and lose or live and die by the three and their offensive firepower and things like that, high-octane offense, they get after it on the defensive end as well. They play at a totally different level when you have a Javon Quinterly, a transfer from Villanova. He really gets after it on the floor as well. Obviously, they're really well coached behind Nate Oates, and their confidence is riding high for right now. Well, and Oates obviously has experience having been in the Sweet 16 a couple of years ago with Buffalo University where they had pulled an upset uh, and got into the Sweet 16 uh, with Buffalo. 
And John Petty, one of the top players in the SEC, first team all SEC, he played for the first time in the postseason like the John Petty that we've seen the last couple of years as an explosive scorer, especially the second half of the game with Maryland. He played that way. Let's see if it continues with him. Will Mick Cronin have some different junk defenses, try to slow the tempo some in this game? That one is fascinating, too. Just a few minutes left in college basketball coast-to-coast. We're in the Sunday preview mode right now in this part of the show. Uh, Again, we've already recapped the games from Saturday. If you're listening on TuneIn, the show starts over top and bottom of the hour for the recap of the games as we head into the Sunday games. Obviously, you know because you've been listening in podcast form. We talked about them at the beginning, but I'm saying that for the TuneIn audience um, as well. Uh, okay, so a, a couple of more things that I have here, uh, just real quick. Gonzaga heavily favored, but it's been five days since they've played. Does Creighton have much of a chance? Did Saturday show us and demonstrate us that everybody kind of hung in for the most part? Does Creighton have a chance to hang in with Gonzaga in the first game up? Matt, an opinion? Deshaun, an opinion? What do you think? Well, you know, we saw some really bad three-point shooting from favored teams on Saturday. Loyola, Baylor, um, you know, so – if Gonzaga misses and, and Creighton makes, that that could happen, but I just wouldn't expect. Deshaun, same thing to you. Is Creighton going to even be able to hang in, or you got uh, Gonzaga e-ticketed stamped right in to the Elite Eight? Yeah, yeah. I think Creighton is going to have to play out of their mind. Let me ask you this real quick, TJ. Is there a better letter grade than an A plus? I don't know. I don't. I mean. Uh, there's extra credit. I know there is a 5.0 on the 4.0 scale, which I never understood. And I was never near that when I was in school, but yeah, there could be a 5.0. Let's put it that way. If you wanted. Well, I I asked that for a reason because uh, they're going to have to get uh, an a plus plus in order to beat Gonzaga. And and, in addition to that, they're going to need some help from Gonzaga playing one of the worst games uh, that they've played uh, that we've seen all season. So it is extremely, extremely unlikely uh, I think if you do want to pull something off, you have to kind of use the experience uh, from guys like, you know, the, the the quarterback on the football field type of deal. That is the point guard in Jalen Suggs and make him show some of that inexperience. We know that Gonzaga is not extremely talented down on the bench. Maybe if you can force Drew Timmy, maybe Kispert to get into a foul trouble situation, you can maybe have a little bit of help for yourself, but I don't realistically see that happening. And I've got Gonzaga uh, advancing shocker. I know, right? Fair enough on that. A lot of us have Gonzaga as the team, or at least in the championship game. We shall see. Matt Zimmick, give me 60 seconds here. You've been writing a bunch on the USC Trojans Wire USA Today website about this matchup with Oregon. Sweet 16 for Andy Enfield, who's done a tremendous job. Give me give me something here to, to watch out for in the Sunday night, late night game, Eastern time, prime time game with Oregon. Somebody goes to the Elite Eight, sir. Yeah, so um, if you haven't been following the Pac-12 closely, USC and Oregon played on February 22nd. Isaiah Mobley of USC, who's been the Trojans' best player other than Evan Mobley in the NCAA tournament, he didn't play in that game against Oregon. And meanwhile, Oregon guard Will Richardson, who was excellent on three-point shooting against Iowa, he was still uh, coming back. He had a broken finger, was not 100%, didn't play all that great in that February 22 game. So these are reconfigured teams. These are different teams. It's a different dynamic. Oregon was also playing that game on a Monday because as a COVID makeup game. So Oregon's going to be a lot fresher this time around. So those are things details to keep in mind. 
An interesting Oregon didn't play a first-round game. Virginia Commonwealth was the only team out of the first weekend that was COVID positive all over the place and with contact tracing couldn't play. Didn't affect them. They rolled against Iowa. It's now been five days. It's now been another five days for USC since they bombed Kansas. We'll see what happens in these games. Guys, are you ready for four more spots to go to the Elite Eight? To start with Gonzaga Creighton to be followed by Michigan, Florida State, UCLA, Alabama, and Oregon, USC. Deshaun, you ready for this, brother? Throw the ball up here again. Coming up on Sunday. I know. I was going to ask you if that was a trick question. I'm all in my element, and I'm, I'm emotionally confused because I'm so ready for all of this to be over with so we can actually see who the best team is. Let's get Baylor and Gonzaga in this thing finally. At the end of the day, the game that was canceled or postponed to see who's going to stand on the ladder with the scissors in hand. However, as much as I'm ready for it to be over, I'm actually not because I don't know what I'm going to do for the rest of my doggone life. (laughs) So with that being said, I'm just all kind of emotionally confused and going to pass the mic over to Matt Zimmick at this point. Matt, is it fair to say you're ready? I know the the first three games are kind of like the appetizers before USC and Oregon. You ready to go for four more games on this Sunday? Well, I don't regard Florida State, Michigan as an appetizer. USC, Oregon's fascinating, though, because they had the controversy with the Pac-12 football championship game. Oregon and USC were separated by per- – yeah, that was the controversy in the Pac-12 football title game between Oregon and USC. They finished percentage points apart in basketball. This is kind of a grudge match. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun with that. Again, that's Matt Zimmick, USA Today Trojans Wire. Follow him at Matt Zimmick, Z-E-M-E-K. Matt Zimmick on Twitter. Tate's Take Hoops is the podcast and show with Deshaun Tate, my man out of Atlanta. He's also basketball analyst on 92.9 The Game, the FM sports radio station in Atlanta. Guys, great stuff on college basketball coast to coast. I thank you again for being with me late night Saturday. Enjoy the Sweet 16. I promise I'm coming back around to both of you as we roll on on college basketball coast to coast. Thank you, guys. Thanks much. Great stuff. And we remind you to join us via podcast every day, college basketball coast to coast. Also streaming on TuneIn on the Tag Sports Group channel. For now, we're done. Four more spots in the Elite Eight coming on Sunday. We're back Monday to recap it all on College Basketball Coast to Coast. Bye.